This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Well, well, here we are. Shall we play a game? No one only a dollar ninety-nine buys you at Ponderosa right now. I want my MTV. Kmart, the saving place. Oh, gnarly! I quit soccer to play Atari. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s. Hopefully you came back because you wanted to hear our expert analysis of the top five summer blockbuster movies of the 1980s. Last week we we went number 10 through number 6, so we're going to kind of recap here. Uh, it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was number 10. Big was number nine. Gremlins was number eight. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was number seven. And number six was Top Gun. So that brings us now back to the top five. So uh, we are going to take a brief time out, get into our top five, and uh, see how it works. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast. We also want to thank Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livinginthe80s.us, and of course, on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Thanks, and back to the show. And now, on with the show. Welcome back. So with me here is Big J. How's everybody doing? Diamond Dave. Good evening. And Maniac Matt Moore. What? Hi, everybody. So I, I asked these guys here to be part of this podcast because, you know, A, these are great guys to be around. Uh, they've seen all these movies. Like, we all look forward to to our movie watching so this is a conversation that would be fun to do like in person maybe like at a cool pizza joint or something just kind of hang out and chill and just kick it and just let's talk about some of our favorite movies and and uh being very topic specific uh, we wanted to go straight to the summer now um the criteria here we took uh the top 10 grossing movies that were released as you know in the summer during the 1980s 
And it, there were, if we went to the true top 10, a couple of these other ones from last week would have been bumped out because, but there were a number of sequels that were part of this. And after we get through to number one, we're going to touch on those sequels and, and why they were so awesome. We just didn't want to spend the whole podcast talking about basically two movies. So let's get started with number five. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. History is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Ah. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Number five, one of my all-time favorites, bar none, any type of movie. Back to the Future. Yeah, this it. was this was released July third, nineteen eighty five. It did two hundred and ten million dollars. Uh, it starred Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson, and Crispin Glover, who has one of the the oddest names Name of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Marty McFly plays a 17-year-old high school student, is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close, pr- close friend, the eccentric scientist, Doc Brown. Love now, it. I love this movie. I'm going to let you guys talk about it. And uh, who wants to go first? Let, let, me, let me jump out there first. Max chopping at the bit. Looking at the date when it's come out, it kind of epitomizes the 80s. This movie was released July 3rd, 1985. So right, I mean, right in the middle of the 80s. I mean, it is right, like a dart right in the heart of it, right in the center of it. Right in the middle of the middle year. Right. So it's kind of just, you know, of all things, it really uh, personifies and represents all things 80s. I mean, it just... I think it's a good capsule to capture, uh, you know, the spirit of, of what the 80s were all about. So, yeah, uh, I, and I, I love it. We, we have talked about even doing a podcast where we, because, <clears throat> you know, when they go to the future, uh, they, it was actually our past. What, what year did you go to? 2016? I think it was. Uh, 2015. Yeah. So, so being, being able to, you know, the future of that movie is our past by six years now. Uh, we was wanting to kind of look at uh, some of their predictions of what life would be like 
in 2015 as to how it actually was in 2015. Um, we, so we could really do a deep dive and all those kind of things at some point. Oh, in yeah. Time. And we're absolutely going to do that. Absolutely. Man, I, I, I just love this movie. I, I thought it was one of the most brilliant, well thought out movies. Just And just the way it, the, you know, it, it integrates the past and the future and the, all, all the, the chaos. It was, it's just fantastic. And they made, you know, made a, a crappy car of the DeLorean, one of the coolest cars of all time in the world. You know, yes. just made it so iconic and just so, you know, uh, forever unattainable and awesome. You know, it's uh, it was just it was just a great movie, great great movie. No, I was gonna say I'll also have to give uh, Back to the Future another great soundtrack from the eighties. Yeah. It kind of seems to me. I don't know. I've always thought that most of these big classics from the 80s, they always had the best soundtracks. Like movies from the 80s have just better soundtracks than any movies today. And the music's better now than it was back then. Yeah, Back to the Future having one of the best, you know, Huey Lewis. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, yeah, if you you take the, the movies as a trilogy... I mean, you also get some ZZ Top music in there. Uh, you get some Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Flea was even in Back to the Future, too. So that, you know, you're right. Great, great soundtrack. I, I, I love when he goes back to 1955 and Mr. Sandman's playing. That's, I mean, that that's great. And almost then when like he, does, he was in a dream. Almost like he was in a dream, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And uh, so Back to the Future, as Matt was saying, is an iconic 80s movie. It is probably just every aspect about it, uh, from fashion to the cars to uh, when he's in the actual 80s, when he's in 1985. And um, everything about it, Huey Lewis in the news, you know, fantastic soundtrack, put them on the map. Uh, put DeLorean as far as a car motor. And I didn't didn't really put them on the map. They had already been pretty established for a couple years. No, I disagree. So um... <laughs> okay, so, so I think I think Billboard's music charts would disagree with you. So carry on. Yeah. Well. So uh, I'd never. Well, really every time that. I try to rip on you, you come back with facts and make me look dumb again. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. I don't mean. No, to. no, no. But no, Rob, honestly, you always do it, but I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah, Rob, no, when, Jason, it's okay. When it comes to music, when it comes to music, I won't argue with you, you know, but because uh, um, but I think uh, I think Back to the Future is there's actually been some argument uh, online that it is actually the best movie ever made, the greatest movie ever made, and it's Ooh. it's really hard to really hard to um, hard to uh, argue with that. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, there's there's so many things that now in the in the 80s, you know, it, it seems like every decade kind of gloms on to a previous decade, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the in the 90s, like the 60s were popular with, you know, the bell bottom pants and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, the independent music scene was really huge. And then in the 80s, if you were living in the 80s, the 50s was really popular and really fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the fact that he's he goes back to 1955 and is reliving that time yeah it's uh i mean it's it it is it was it's a fantastic movie and if you haven't seen it then i highly suggest you crawl out of the rock that you've been living under and go check it out because you know what i I think i think you think deborah has seen it or 
I doubt it. I doubt it. She. Uh, so if you haven't, if you ever heard, uh, me and Matt did a podcast with with our friend Debbie, who's one of our administrators in the Facebook page, and we did a podcast on heartthrobs of the '80s. And she made the grave mistake of letting Matt and I know she had never seen The Outsiders. Outsiders. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so we had to give her a little bit of a hard time about it. So, Debbie, whenever we've mentioned any movies, we're going to have to always ask you if you've truly seen them. So, you know, she's sitting there right now because I think she does this. She takes notes on the podcast. If you get on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, uh, yeah. over 2,000 people strong, she does a great job of putting surveys and things like that. A couple of weeks ago, she did a thing getting prom photos. So uh, yeah, she, she just she does a fantastic job, but you know her lack of seeing some major movies is definitely going to be haunting her. But uh, I'm I'm with you, Jason. Gosh, this is this is one of my all time favorites. I could definitely see a case for this being considered the greatest movie of all time. I have oh, yeah. to watch this this movie, and I and when I watch them, I watch the trilogy. I watch one, two, then three. Uh, I know one is definitely the best. Mm-hmm. But I, it is so funny because it's almost like I forget that I'm watching a movie. I feel like I'm part of what's going on. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like a fly on the wall watching Marty and Doc have the conversations uh, with Doc when he's trying to, um, to, to rig everything so Marty can get the DeLorean back to 1985. Like I feel like I'm watching, I'm, I'm part of that action. I want to go up and punch biff in the face before george does because i wanted to make out with lorraine um <laughs> leah thompson leah my thompson. goodness what a gorgeous woman <laughs> and, i mean you know you've got a shot because i mean she slept with howard the duck so yeah <laughs> if, if she told me no that would completely ruin my credibility as a man oh yeah yeah like Just, rob i don't I, think so but hide, hide the sharp the objects like, mm, turned exactly. out by leah thompson yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah that that movie that trilogy that is just that is i mean if hollywood has ever done anything magical i think back to the future is is the most yeah. magical one of the things that i think is so great about the movie is that the thought they, they put into it oh yeah i think this was one of the first movies where um you could actually find Easter eggs. You could actually find references to um, like foreshadowing things and things that mm-hmm. had happened where they actually thought out, you know, like you go into Doc Brown, when he first went into Doc Brown's thing, he's got all the clocks everywhere. Okay. Yeah. One of the clocks that's prominently displayed is the Buster Keaton one where he's hanging by the hour hand yes, on yes. the tower, which Doc does later on at the clock tower, you know, mm-hmm. and, when Marty skateboards up to the mall to meet Doc for the first time, it's Twin Pines Mall. Mm-hmm. And then when Marty goes back in time and he crashes through old farmer Finnegan or whatever his name was, crashes through and destroys one of his pine trees. Mm-hmm. When Marty goes back to the future, when he gets back to 1985 to try to save Doc, it's now called Lone Pine Mall because yes. one of the pine trees got <laughs> destroyed. I mean, it's like, it's those kind of little things that they really, really thought about and I think it just really lent to just the the quality of a movie that it was. Oh yeah. Well, 
to add on to that, one of my favorite parts is where uh, they're at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, and Marvin Barry calls his cousin Chuck. He's like, here's that sound you're looking for. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So Marty helping Chuck find the sound that he already had, just kind of big circle that will never stop. The chicken and, chicken versus the egg situation. There. Exactly. Yeah, and from the from the first to the second to the third, you keep on seeing. If you go back and watch the first, you see things that are referenced in the second and third. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, it was meant to be three movies, and they yeah. all intertwined so beautifully. There's very few um, flaws in the storytelling. In in fact, yeah. there to me, I don't think there's. I'm sure somebody could really try and spot stuff but you know a lot of times there people are like looking for goofs and mistakes in movies i i don't i don't recall really seeing any i mean sure there are some and some people can find them and more power to you but the meticulous job they did at creating hill valley in 1955 just when marty goes back he sees a full service gas station he goes to the diner he asks he asks for the pepsi free and the tab and yeah. it's, this is like oh my goodness that's he was wearing the wearing that vest jacket that jacket vest and everybody's asking him if he was a sailor and yeah what's with the life jacket <laughs> <laughs> yes that, that great movie and plus the nike bruins he was wearing in, in the movie i had those shoes oh yeah love love oh, those yeah. shoes those were great yeah. shoes yeah so. i like the one when uh he's talking to lorraine's parents and he's trying to get directions and uh -huh. they're like, oh, yeah, it's off of such and such street. And he goes, okay, wait, yeah, uh, so that's JFK Freeway or something like John that. John F. Kennedy mm -hmm. Parkway or something. Yeah, and, he and his like, dad looks John at F. him Kennedy. like he's retarded or something. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, I've seen this on a rerun. What's a rerun? Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> it's those kind of things that, I mean, honestly, any who hasn't watched Back to the Future and hasn't fantasized about what it would be like to go back and meet your parents as teenagers in high school? Oh yeah, like hang out and and maybe bring some stuff from the future with you so that you would just be that much cooler, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, I, it does get it does get a little creepy with the the uh, affection between the mom towards you know uh, to, towards Calvin is it Calvin Klein? Calvin yeah. Klein, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Calvin it, Klein, yeah. Because uh, you think there is well, what is it? The Oedipus, con Oedipus uh, complex. Oedipus complex. I mean, there, there, cause there's moments where, you know, he's seeing this young chick in front of him. You're thinking he should kiss her. She's pretty hot. Then you realize, oh, crap. No, that's his mom. That's his mom. It's borderline creepy weird. But yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. wild. Well, what yeah. about like like in, in part two where he's in the hotel room and, you know, in Biff's casino, whatever, and he wakes yeah. up and his mom's a silhouette and she's got, she had this boob job done. She's got these huge knockers yeah. and, he, yeah. and he's and he's like <laughs> all right so that does it for back to the future here's the question do you guys know anyone that has not seen this movie besides debbie besides <laughs> debbie that's a given well not necessarily yeah i mean i i it, it just it feels like everyone has Right. I, I would I would almost uh, go with um uh, what's his name I can't Randy 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 may not have seen it yeah yeah, yeah. he hasn't when seen he, any movie 
when he did that adventure episode with you and didn't see any like Terminator or the Predator or <laughs> they've seen it. He hadn't seen Die Hard, even yeah. though even though he claims it's not a Christmas movie, but he's never seen it. How do you know? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> yeah, Randy probably hasn't seen it. You're probably right about that. Yeah. yeah. He he was hurt by a truck, so you have to kind of. <laughs> My name is Randy. And I was hurt by a truck. Okay, so that's it for Back to the Future. Uh, that brings us to number four. Number four, ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do. You have. They're here. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Ghostbusters, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. Number four is Ghostbusters. Released June 8th, 1984. It did $238 million. It starred Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Rick Moranis, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts. Um, Three former parapsychology professors set up shop as a unique ghost removal service so uh back to the future i saw and i meant to mention this earlier that was the first of the top 10 that i'd actually seen in the theater you know as we rank them going upward um well no that's that's a mistake no it's not never mind i'll i'll probably delete that out um ghostbusters i remember seeing this in in the movie theater uh i initially thought it was a kid's movie but then i saw bill murray was in it i'm like okay him and dan Aykroyd, two of the our favorite comedians of the time so i went and saw it love the movie it was really good um you know it's uh talk amongst yourselves great practical effects and an amazing cast of just comedic legends one of my all-time favorites. It's probably uh, one of the best of the decade. Probably anybody else, 80s fans will tell you the same. Yeah. It's a great for Halloween time, too. It's real fun for that. Yep. Very much Very so. Much. Yep. Um, they, they made the whole ghost thing. I mean, it's it's funny. It's, uh, I mean, is it a comedy? Would you, would you categorize it as a comedy? I would. Good comedy comedy fight. comedy adventure adventure yeah, yeah. but I mean, even though it's got ghosts 
I could <laughs> really say horror. I don't think it's really got a horror vibe going to it. Because not, not, not too much. I don't I think it's more maybe adventure than more horror. more along the line of maybe fantasy, like dark fantasy. A cult. Well, it's very big on a cult. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. 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 But that, that's, and that's what was so, so weird about it was, uh, you know, it's, they're dealing with ghosts and all these kind of stuff, but it, they made it so kind of realistic. I mean, like, you know, the whole concept of the streams and if you, you know, you, you can catch it and bring it into this little containment, you know, this little containment capsule mm-hmm. there. And I mean, it was, it, it sounds like a, it sounds like it's a real business. Like, I mean, there's, there's people yeah. out there just really doing this, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know, we got, we got ghost hunters and shows like that on TV. Now, I think yep. they probably got their roots from uh, the interest in this movie. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, it seems it, it was, uh, some people think, oh, this is a all play stuff, but I think there's probably a lot of um, realism in, into it. Seem to be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing that that drove me nuts is I've never been a fan of the Ghostbusters song. You um, like no, it's a ripoff. I mean, he ripped off um, Huey Lewis in the news. They did "I Want a New Drug," and Huey had, had quite the. Um, quite the settlement out of court getting his money for the song that was ripped off uh, so i mean it's not a terrible song but every time i hear it i i think oh, i'd rather hear i want a new drug instead so <laughs> uh ghostbusters uh i actually did get to see in the theaters i went with uh my best friend and his mom and uh so that was one that uh, i don't think my parents knew i was going to go see it and Mm-hmm. So I got to go see it in the theater, and uh, when Gozer showed up in her uh, skin-tight bubble outfit, um, <laughs> his mom, his mom, because uh, we sat separate, she came down the aisle and, and grabbed us by the ear and pulled us out. So I never got to see the end of the movie in the theater. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah, because she thought that was just a little too risque, but I I absolutely loved it. I, I, lo- I, I will quote it occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of quotable lines, had a lot of funny lines. Yeah. Uh, it had a lot of great actors. I, I became, I was like a major Ghostbusters fan. I, I watched the animated series, the cartoon, uh, mm-hmm. religiously when it was out. And I used to watch that all the time. And um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I, I think it was, oh, <laughs> I thought it was, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. You just, it's, it was just a great movie. It was great. And I loved it. And it was a major part of my childhood. So who's excited about the uh, the sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Absolutely, and I think I'm it's very I think excited it's, about that one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think yeah. it's going to be done really well. Yeah, it should uh, be. I mean, Paul Rudd is one of my favorite actors, so he's in it. And he's this one draw. actually, I'm sorry, what was that? I said Paul Rudd is the main draw. I don't think any of the the teen actors that are in it are really known for much of anything. No. Uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, of course, will be back. Ernie Hudson will be back. So will Annie Potts, Sigourney Weaver. So a lot of the original cast will be in this one. This gets released on November 11th this year. So just like uh, roughly 10 days before Top Gun. So I'll be wow. going back to the theaters, it looks like. So wow. they're, they're, they're going to drag me back. Movie. That's right. You know, Pete, we can't, they can't make any movies now that are going to drag us in. So they might as well, let's get these 80s movies and kind of re- Remake wow. them, boot them, sequelize yeah. them. But whatever. did you guys? What What did you guys think of the the female Ghostbusters movie? 
They never terrible. made a female Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with that you, David. I would rather pretend that thing didn't happen. It was David awful. is in denial. It's awesome. Because yeah. it didn't happen. <laughs> it's bad. It, it might as well bad. have not have happened, honestly. Well, see, I think. Here's, the, here's the thing is is the the actresses that were in it were, were actually, I mean, they were good. I mean, they were like, you know, the best they could come up with as far as comedic actors today that should have been able to pull it off. But I think as a movie, it's just, it's just crap. I think, I think one of the biggest problems was you had real, four really funny ladies mm-hmm. playing the parts, playing the movie. And they focused on, instead of making them an ensemble cast, they, they focused on the strengths of each individual one. So it was like four individual people instead of a team. Yeah, you, you follow what I'm saying. It's like they they didn't really do a good job of blending them together as you know they were one cohesive unit. Whereas with the original Ghostbusters with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and those guys, I mean they obviously had different personalities, came from different places, but yeah. they all blended well. And and they they show us briefly the different places they came from, and it wasn't like they spent all, the whole movie telling the backstory. Just enough of the story to. We see these four different guys and, you know, they've kind of got relationships with each other. And then we start, the story starts to build. So I think they did a mm-hmm. good job at that, that the, the girl version didn't, you're right. They just, they couldn't, they didn't do it. Not a good storytelling yeah. movie. Yeah. So a little bit of trivia. Does anybody remember the original Ghostbusters? Yeah, the cartoon. Was it, it was no, was it, it was it was, it was actually a live to... action TV show in the seventies. Really? No, I it don't. Was, oh, it was that I did not know. It was no. two guys and a guy in a monkey suit, and they were the Ghostbusters. It wasn't all one word, and there was uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of controversy about that when it first came out, and then when the the Ghostbusters TV show was going on, the cartoon uh-huh. when Ghostbusters they came out with an animated, like you had said, Rob. They came out with an animated Ghostbusters cartoon. So they had to change it. I think it was in the second season where they Mm -hmm. had to call it the real Ghostbusters uh, with the the Dan Aykroyd version. And that's why they changed it to to the real Ghostbusters because both of them were going on at the same time. I used to watch the cartoon also, both cartoons. And So now that you say that, I went back and looked up um, that original Ghostbusters show. It was in 1975 starring Forrest Tucker, Larry Storch, and Bob Burns. Uh, Larry yep. Storch, I remember from F Troop. Forrest Tucker was a character actor, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, those years. And I, I do remember hearing about, I've never watched it. I do remember hearing about that about the time the movie came out, like, hey, there was a show way back when, but I, I'd forgotten about it. So thanks for bringing that up. That, that's good trivia. Good Thank trivia. You. Thank you. So, all right. So uh, that was our, our number four movie. And we are going to keep on rolling here with number three. Number three. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark, if it is their Atonis, 
Then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I'll tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let her go. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Number three is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, later they call it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but originally it was just Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if they had planned on sequels, but it was so... It was such a huge hit, um, $248 million at the box office, released June 12th, 1981, uh, starring Harrison Ford and Karen Allen. Uh, in 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before Adolf Hitler's Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. So are you guys fans of Indiana Jones and all the movies? It looks like Jason's about to... Jason's smiling real big. Like, I love this. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it's a Steven Spielberg, George Lucas collaboration. I mean, you can't go wrong. Two of the greatest directors of the 1980s uh, coming together and, uh, and, and making this fantastic film. George Luke, or, uh, Steven Spielberg, again, tapping into his World War II roots. Um, and just really making an awesome Tom Clancy-esque action adventure, uh, like a serial pulp character. You know, this archaeologist, <laughs> archaeologist by day and or a, a archaeology teacher, a, a college professor by day, and a, a whip-cracking archaeologist by night. And it's kind of got like a Batman feel when you think about it. You it know, almost does. Whole- you know, it's. You know, like he, he, you know, teaches class through the week and then on the weekends he goes out and, you know, he punches Nazis. It, it's just a fantastic, you know, <laughs> it's a fantastic show. It's, you know, the the fedora and the leather whip and the, the leather jacket and Funny. just some Funny. of the some of the things, the, the, the things that happened in that movie were just so, so groundbreaking uh, as far as um, not necessarily special effects, because there isn't a whole lot of CGI. There's some. But um, but it's it was just the the practical effects and the 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 opening scene the opening scene with you know he's in there and he's going through all of the different traps and making yeah. it through the tomb and then getting there and then the giant boulder comes the rolling boulder down boulder, you know yeah. I mean that is that is so iconic I mean like who would have ever thought of anything like that before you know how do you how do you pitch that okay this guy's gonna go in he's gonna find a thing. He's gonna find this little golden statue, and when he steals it, the entire temple's gonna fall apart, and a giant boulder is going to crush him. And, you know, and it's like, you know, how do you? And then it, it was just again, the Nazi, the Nazis, and Adolf Hitler were really big in ancient archaeological relics, uh, so it ties in really well with the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail, which is another another adventure that he goes on against the Nazis, but. All in all, I think it was, it was a fantastic movie, fantastic series, um, and uh, they're, they're, I'm excited for Indiana Jones Five, which is actually in production. 
Really? So. Did not realize that. Yeah. I know, um, spoiler alert, we'll be talking about um, some of the uh, sequels here at the end of this show. So there are uh, some of those movies that would have been in our top 10, but we'll save those for then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like what, when Jason was talking about how the some of the scenes were, were like the boulders coming down, but the way he's going through the maze and like the puzzles, he's, he's got to step certain ways and just the, the walls closing in and the snakes popping, you know, turn around and there's all the snakes. And I hate I mean, snakes. It, it, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's just such iconic stuff that movies from thereafter try to repeat or emulate or do some mm-hmm. version of it because it's so daggone cool. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, well, the, the scene where he gets drugged underneath the truck. Right. Yeah. You know, and and like slide rides underneath this truck. I mean, that's, you know, I didn't get to go see this in the theaters, but my parents did, and you know, they said, no, you can't go see it. But uh, they said, but there's this really cool scene, and it was like they were chomping at the bit to tell me about where he just he got you know he sled drug underneath that truck. It was like no one had ever heard or thought of anything like that before, mm-hmm. and I think it was just amazing. I don't know where <clears throat> where we saw it at. If it was maybe you guys have seen it too, but if it was like at Universal Studios, but they've got the the Raiders of the Lost Ark action show, and the guy they'll do all the yeah. stunts from the movie in person. And they've got the boulder, and the guy he gets drugged under the jeep, and all those kind of things. It's I don't, I don't know where that was at. Where where I, I saw think that. I think it was at Disney. Um, it's it, 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 Universal Studios. I went and Universal, saw that. When I, I was about ten. It's really fun. It's like you're watching the filming of the movie. Absolutely, yeah. Very. How, how very do they how do they recreate the guy getting chopped up by the airplane blade uh, propeller yeah. over and over? Well, and they, they get these guys to volunteer and they <laughs> yes. and they really chop them up. It's like they, you know what? We're gonna pay your family off nicely. They, you know, your they, family will be debt free. We're just gonna chop. They them. grab homeless people off the streets. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you some Universal Studios passes. Some- yeah there you go there you go for life yes <laughs> the next just complete minutes. this scene you can come as many times as you want yes you will really be part of the action literally. yes yes <laughs> all right we got anything else on raiders of the lost ark david did you have anything i saw a documentary a while back about the filming of it and one of the things I really wanted to see was the main Nazi bad guy the face melting scene they showed the process of how they did that now I cannot remember fully how they did it but just it was just awesome how they could create a scene like that at that time 1981 Right. And it's look it up. I don't remember where I watched it on, but it was a lot of fun. I like to watch the making of movies. Yeah. This came out in 81. 40th anniversary coming up. Yeah, I I never I never saw this in the theater. I saw it later. Really, I think we we might have rented the movie or something and then saw the other two uh, after it, but uh yeah, I always thought it was really cool. Just the swashbuckling adventure kind of thing, just to spin reality a little bit. And, you know, I loved it. And one of the things that I like, and that's kind of getting off the subject a little bit, 
like a, a good, I don't want to say it's even a tribute or a ripoff or anything, but National Treasure with Nicolas Cage kind oh, of puts me in mind of, of the Indiana Jones movies. They do a very good job of of not ripping off Indiana Jones, but using that same kind of storytelling style to, you know, with our with our um with our main characters. So I I really like this. They need to make more movies like that, I think. Remember Romancing the Stone? That kind of gave me that same vibe as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were there were this there was this this actually started a whole genre of 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 characters and types and styles. I mean you look the Alan Quartermain movies, you know, those were those are those are straight Indiana Jones ripoffs. And there's there's been a lot of other homages and little notes here and there, like uh, they talk about uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Oh, with you know, him and Magnum PI. <laughs> yeah, one of them dressed as Indiana Jones. The other one was dressed as Magnum PI. And yep, um, it's uh, it's it, it was it it was iconic. It was iconic. And you know, they always say that mimicry is the best form of best flattery. form of flattery yeah yeah and that's that's a, that could actually be seen that can be seen very evidently with indiana jones just with the years later how everybody else is copying it because i mean you oh yeah you can't better it all you can do is copy it that's right yeah right right that's right. good look up gentlemen look up a movie with uh, matthew mcconaughey it's got a real strong indiana jones vibe sahara sahara yeah i you know yeah, what sahara i i have I've teased myself about watching that because it looks like it'd be good, but I've never watched it. So does it give the David uh, seal of approval? It does. All it's right. Matthew McConaughey too. Yeah. Actually, yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so here it was actually a, um, it was a, oh, where's it at? It's, it was based on a book series. Clive Cussler. Clive Cussler. Yeah. And uh, his character, I forget what his character's name Dirk was. Hit. Dirk Pitt, Dirk yeah. Pitt. <laughs> David just knows all the answers. He's been kind of laying low a little bit, but he come like, is, like the obscure stuff. Dave's like, oh, quite yeah. Awesome. yeah like, but, uh, that. We golfed together this past Saturday. Yeah, but Clive Cussler's Dirk Pitt series is a series of books that he wrote, and that what that was a, a very uh, uh, that was very very much like Indiana Jones, that pulp yeah. serial, you know, action adventure type thing. Nice. Heck, even the, I don't know if you guys are fans, but the two uh, Brendan Fraser mummy movies had kind of that feel too. Yeah. Indiana right. Jones' adventure. Yeah. You're only acknowledging that there were two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Shia LaBeouf one didn't exist? Uh, no, no, no. He's talking about the the um, mummy movies. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Because weren't, weren't there three? There and second. then there was Scorpion King that broke off of that. And. Mm-hmm couple of scorpion kings and several directed dvd movies yeah i'm just gotcha. gonna go go in the words of randy and say never heard of it I am, <laughs> I am those, those words were said a lot on this podcast yeah actually. yeah that's funny yeah indiana jones that's uh that's a great film great film yep. absolutely really put uh really put harrison ford on the map after <laughs> okay, okay, no. right. okay. i think i think he played a couple more obscure characters i'm not real sure yeah yeah <laughs> i think played I mean, one other guy in space i don't know yeah, yeah. what wasn't he in uh in what was that uh george star Lucas trek. movie was that star trek he was in star, star trek yeah 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 With, uh, yeah. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah where they where they 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 were in the uss millennium falcon 
there it is okay (laughs) nice all right so um we're gonna move on from indiana jones and go to number two number two hi bruce wayne and what do you do for a living nice outfit hold on a second I can't make it then either. I've got a very important meeting today. Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! What are you? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Alfred, let's go shopping. Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. I feel a little drunk. (laughs) And you're not anything. Hey, one drink and I'm flying. Freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> oh boy. Batman. No, no, that's all Jason. That's all Jason right there. <laughs> June 23rd, 1989. This movie was released. It did $251 million, uh, starring Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger. Uh, the Dark Knight of Gotham City begins his war on crime with his first major enemy being Jack Napier, a criminal who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. Uh, I remember the build-up to this movie. I was very excited to see it. Uh, I'd been a Batman fan my entire life. Uh, I grew up on the... What? Look behind Rob. He's got Rob's got the Batman right behind you. Oh yeah, I've got the yeah, I've got the series back in the '60s series back here in my over my shoulder. Um, when I was probably uh, seven or eight years old, I saw the um, you know I'd been a fan of the Batman comic books and the cartoons and stuff. I'd saw the uh, the 1966 series for the first time when I was about seven or eight years old and just was captivated. I remember a little kid and it's, and just the bright colors and the criminals. And I, it was campy, but as a kid, I didn't recognize it as camp. I just recognized it as like, Oh my gosh, there's these cliffhangers every episode and what's going to happen. And, and every, every chance I could get, I would watch it. So many years later, going up to 1989, uh, they announced this movie was going to be made. And when they did, they announced, you know, Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. Like, this is the guy from Mr. Mom. This is Beetlejuice. This isn't Batman. You know, you're thinking, you know, one of the major, like Harrison Ford, an adventure guy would be Batman. But man, I loved Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh, Jack Nicholson is a Joker. It was, it was a ton of fun. Now, Jason is a is an authority on the subject so you're getting my recollection of remembering this movie and uh, i've read a lot about it about you know the making of it and all this other stuff but but big j i'm gonna roll out the red carpet to let you talk about batman thank you i appreciate that um (laughs) the uh yeah batman 1989 uh tim burton um he uh it was it was a project that everybody just said was doomed to fail. Nobody thought that Michael Keaton was going to be a good Batman. Nobody thought that uh, Tim Burton was going to be a good director. They thought it was too weird and too too odd. I mean, he had he had a, a few movies under his belt, and they were just really weird. And nobody could see it as 
what Batman was because the general consensus, unless you were a comic book guy, the only thing you knew about Batman was Adam West's campy, colorful um, Batman TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so nobody really knew who Batman was. And I think, I don't think, but it's uh, Tim Burton basically turned the Batman ethos over on its ear and created uh, the dark all black costume because before it was blue and gray um, Mm -hmm. and just absolutely totally revamped everything that we knew about Batman and, and, and created an, an entire look feel and genre that still continues to this day. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if, I mean, I was, I was so geeked out about this movie that um, I even saw that they had changed the bat symbol on his chest and I liked the change. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the Batmobile was, you know, unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. And um, it was just, it was what, I mean, Gotham was supposed, it was what Gotham was supposed to be. It was supposed to be dark and, you know, intimidating and just massive architecture. The, the Gotham in the comic books is almost a character unto itself. And It's like really New York that. City. Yeah. Well, Gotham is New York's nickname, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Gotham is supposed to be New York City, and Metropolis is supposed to be California, someplace out in California. And uh, um, they, uh, so they, they, he did a fantastic job. Tim Burton, or uh, yeah, Tim Burton just really redefined what Batman was and made it, and, and even in the comic books and everything, it completely changed. I mean, nobody can see because we're on video, but I've got a a Batman poster behind me, you know, where he's wearing like black and gray and it's all dark. And that's all because of Tim Burton. There was, he, he redefined who Batman was and what it was. And because of its popularity, the comic books and everything else took flight. And because of that, we got um, comic books like the Dark Knight Rises series, which is actually a Pulitzer winning comic book uh, because of the, the dark or the Dark Knight Rises or Dark Knight Returns. And it was, it was great. It was a great movie. It was, um, it was fun. Uh, I wasn't too thrilled about the Prince soundtrack, um, but uh, oh, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was even for Prince. It was awful, you know. And I thought, I thought Jack Nicholson did a really good job. The prosthetics and the special effects on him that made him into the Joker were done really well. I like the idea of how he tried to make his face flesh toned. And make it make everybody believe that the Joker face, which was his natural skin tone, was actually makeup. You know, he was yeah. like trying to appear normal, and that the the Joker look was was a was a facade. But the Joker was who re- he really was. Right. And, um, so they did they did a fantastic job. Um, some people will say that Michael Keaton is the best Batman ever. Um, I think he, for a while, was the best Batman for a while. So. Yeah, and I'll let, I'll let other people jump in. So, well, I, I, Batman, uh, Batman didn't really have a backstory, did he? In the uh, original campy TV series, did he? No, like they just they just, really they just started off it off. Him and Robin already together and fighting crime, and Commissioner Gordon knew who he was already, and the criminals knew who he was. So, yeah, no backstory at all. And and, and I kind of like that. I mean, that, it was only three seasons in the 60s mm-hmm. and and so you know 
by the time I, I, I was around watching kid, you know, TV as a little kid, it was, you know, the reruns and the reruns, but yeah, I, I, I just grew up loving that series. And I just, to me, that was what superheroes were. I mean, it was campy, but like Rob said, it didn't, when you're, when you're young and little, it doesn't feel campy. It just feels like mm. this is how superheroes conduct themselves. And it was special and different and unique. And so uh, I, I, I just, I so love the series so that when the movie started coming out as a teenager, it was kind of like, he was kind of messing with my childhood a little bit. So I, I was, yeah. I mean, I was excited about what they were going to do, but it's like, it, it, was, it was a total different direction from, you know, that's not, you know, cause that's not my super, that's not my Batman. My Batman was, you know, Adam West and you know, Burt Ward. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. who I, you know, I like that. And then, you know, then you get to Super Friends cartoon as a kid. So you're, you're, it's evolving a little bit, but it, it went this direction with these movies where, um, I mean, obviously I love it. I mean, how can you not love it? But I mean, I, I remember being a little bit, I wasn't like excited, like, oh man, this is going to be great. But I was kind of like, eh, it's not what I was used to. It's, it's, not, what it, it's not what I remember. It's not, it's not my remember. Batman. That's not my Batman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it really, I mean, it took me a while to warm up to it because, uh, you know, it was just, it's such, it's, it is not Adam West. It is not Adam no, West. No, it's not. And, and, you know, it was very intentional to, to, to make it that way. Obviously um, I was, I, a good friend of mine um, loaned me a book. And if I can't remember the name, the, the author in it, but they took Batman from, you know, his creation showing up in Detective Comics way back in the 30s, all the way up to now. So every comic version, every cartoon version, every movie, TV version, like all of them together. Very, It's like a coffee table type book, very extensive research into all of these. And one of the things that that I had heard is is that Adam West when they when they when he first found out about the Batman movie um was very was disappointed because you know the, the version that he knew of like he didn't like grow up reading the comic books he just became Batman for the TV show and they just shoved a couple comic books at him like this is a guy we want you to play and so he just kind of you know it's the 60s it's the version of Batman that he saw and um, they originally were going to have a, a studio audience. So a lot of the things that happened in the Batman movie that were, or TV show, that were kind of funny would have had like a laugh track or something. They decided to keep that out, keep the, you know, not do that kind of a thing, which I think lended to the, the campiness of the show. But anyhow, Batman was disappointed, or Adam West was disappointed when he, heard it was going to be a darker version like that but and uh tim burton also wanted to have adam west as part of the new movie like uh they you know originally was was to be like bruce wayne's father thomas wayne but he 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 talked himself out of it thinking you know what's going to happen is he's going to be in this movie because he's so identifiable with that character he can't possibly like let him be in this movie and have the movie be taken as seriously because it's gonna people are gonna be distracted and go oh hey that's batman and the guy's about to get killed (laughs) so uh, there was a lot going on there but 
but when it all was said and done, Adam West was very impressed with the storytelling and the, what they had done with Batman. He thought it was going to be maybe more of a horror movie or something, but was very, very happy with it. And uh, apparently him and Michael Keaton ended up, you know, having a very good friendship over the years. I mean, you know, they, you know, brothers of the cowl or so to, so to speak, but uh, yeah, that was very good. And, and Jason had alluded to it earlier that that, that still continues today. Um, prior to that, superhero movies were pretty, you know, bright and sunny. Like the only credible superhero movie was Superman, you know, the Chris, Christopher Reeve version in the early 80s. So you're thinking Batman following that same kind of formula would be about halfway between Michael Cat Keaton and, you know, Adam West Batman. Sort of lighthearted, but still, you know, an adventure uh but the fact that tim burton did that and brought the character there so every time you know uh robert downey jr or um chris evans or um any of these other characters that played like these marvel movies they they need to thank tim burton and michael keaton for their paychecks because Mm -hmm. that completely from that moment on when a superhero movie was made, it was going to have a more serious tone and more, uh, more emphasis on the, on the criminals and you know, getting A-list stars. I mean, Jack Nicholson was as A-list as it got in, in the 80s. So getting him to sign on to, to play uh, the Joker in this role kind of, it, it just kind of turned everything on its ear. So you fast forward to, Lent a lot of credibility to oh the, yeah what the show absolutely was. absolutely which, and, which i mean honestly that's why they had um marlon brando and the first superman mm-hmm. was, yeah i mean he was i he forgot was, about that yes he, he was paid an, an stupid amount of money to be mm-hmm. for five minutes in that movie um because most of it ended up on the cutting room floor but it was mm-hmm. to lend credibility in to that movie it was why they oh, called yeah. him he was one of the biggest a-list actors of the time yeah and you absolutely. know i you know, it's Tim Burton didn't didn't actually reinvent Batman. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't no. like just take it and turn it over. On he took it back to its roots because yeah. you were talking about the original Detective Comics and you know number twenty seven in the nineteen thirties. Mm-hmm. Batman was very dark and very noir and very gritty, and that's yeah. what it was. I mean, he he carried a gun. He killed people um, yeah. originally, and it was and so. Tim Burton just took it back to its roots. He didn't really mm-hmm. reinvent it. And I, but it, so much time had passed to where the Comics Code Authority had come out and they mm-hmm. tried to make comic books campy and more childlike, which is why you had the brighter colors where originally Batman was in black and gray, you know? Mm-hmm. And then later on, he goes into like a, a lighter blue, a blue and a lighter blue and a lighter blue, you know, with gray, you know, to kind of lighten up his colors. They introduced Robin. Uh, you know, and gave him bright colors. And then you had the Adam West, which kind of emulated that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that campiness. And that's, that's basically, and then, you know, Tim Burton's is looking at this and it was like, you guys have destroyed what Batman is. And he yeah. took it back to his roots. Mm-hmm. And so a, a little quick fun fact about that, the Adam West Batman TV show was actually inspired by the producer the, of the TV show had actually gone to a costume party at Hugh Hefner's at the Playboy Ranch. And he was so inspired with all of the bright costumes and the glitziness and what was going on and everything. And that's what he modeled 
the TV show after. Yes, that's, I, what, I that's why that story. That's why it had that look and feel to it. Yeah, nice. So, so Matt, Dave, I mean, we've talked a lot about Batman here. We, you guys have anything Too much. to add? <laughs> I, uh, Jay, I just wanted to ask you, man, how do you feel about um, Rob Pattinson? How do you think that's going to go? As as a Batman fan, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, I learned my lesson with uh, Michael Keaton. I'm not going to make snap decisions about and, casting. Um, and, you know, and Ben they, Affleck. I didn't think he's going to be a good Batman. They did the same thing with Ben Affleck. They did the same thing with Matt Damon um, uh, when they made him. I thought Matt, Matt Damon's Daredevil was really good, you know, but they still ben, kind of ban him. Ben, ben Affleck was Daredevil. You're right. Ben Affleck, yeah. Matt which Damon's is why, buddy. Which, which is why, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Which is why they had uh, such a problem with him being Batman was because they harkened back to when he was Daredevil and they were like, you know. But, well, same uh, thing I, with um, same thing with Ryan Reynolds going from Green Lantern to Deadpool. Oh it's yeah. Like, oh man, can he even yeah, pull it well, off? Yeah, we he don't can. talk about Green Lantern. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. But well, getting it, back to your getting back to your question, David, um, I'm I'm curious and I'm apprehensive at the same time. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand why they have to make it, but I think that if they Funny. go from, from what, well, from what you I understand. put Batman out there, they're going to make lots of money. So true. That, that's I, why I, they're making But see, I don't know if they're going to go with a, um, it's the universe, but it's a detached universe like they did with Joker. Because mm-hmm. that really wasn't an actual Batman movie, but it was, you know, I mean, essentially, the, the Joker was a Bruce Wayne was in it. Yeah. Know. Well, I mean, the jo- the Joker was essentially a remake of uh, of the Jerry Lewis and um, show funny a uh, movie Funny Man. Yeah, it was, it was almost a remake of that. But I don't know if they're going to do that with Pattinson's, where it's going to be. This is kind of like another story of Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I've heard that they're going to go with the Year One, which was a series that they did where he was just starting out, just creating his bat suit and figuring it out and lean more on the detective aspect because that's he is a what fantastic de- detective and that's that's, that's what, what i'm excited to it. see yeah that's what that's what i'm excited to see because i mean honestly as a fan i've always wanted to do a tv show called batman the dark knight detective where it actually focused on mm. almost a, a csi crime investigation you know where he's actually trying to solve cases instead of just going around and, and kicking ass and whipping batarangs and swinging everywhere, you know? So um, did, did you guys, did you guys like the Gotham TV series? Yes. I did too. I enjoyed yeah. the first couple of seasons, but it just, it lost me after season four. Three, yeah. Three, four. It never lost me at all. I liked the evolution of the characters. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that the storytelling was good. Uh, some of it was reimagined, which was, yeah. which was good. Which was yeah. good. I like what they did with some of it, but yeah, I, I like that it. they. I like they introduced Azrael because uh, Azbats is actually one of my favorite characters in the Batman history. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, Jean Claude Valley, um, Jean Paul Valley became Batman uh, for a little while when Bane broke Batman's back and he stood in and totally revamped and changed who Batman was and what he looked like. And so that's. Uh, I, I enjoyed that they introduced that. I thought Jerome. Uh, Ian from Shameless. I thought Jerome was fantastic as the. Prototype. He was, he was, and I thought, you know, I thought that the 
the characters of the Riddler and um, the Penguin were good as well. Because we yes. always picture fat, pudgy, short Penguin. This dude, right. Robin Lord Hayes, I think I can't remember his mm-hmm. name, but um, he was he was thin and young and kind of yeah. snarky. Yep. So it, it's it was kind of yeah. cool. It's kind of um, cool to see that. So the, they uh, the Riddlers, the Riddlers actually from Ohio. So graduated really? uh, from. Uh, there's a girl that I know that went to high school with him. Um, no kidding. Yep. And uh, the I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Justin Long, uh, Accepted, where yeah. he basically created his own college. When yes. I first started watching Gotham and he introduced Penguin, I'm like, it's Abernathy Darwin Dunlap, because <laughs> <That's, laughs> he, he's the ADD character in in, in uh, Accepted. I do. I haven't seen that movie in from. several years. I have to go back and check it out. Yeah, so. yeah, but no, I thought I thought it was a fantastic movie, and um, I thought it was a great series. And you know, anything with with uh, Morena Baccarin is absolutely worth watching because yeah. she's she's devastatingly stunning. She's she's the one that played uh, Lee. Yeah, Jim Gordon's yeah. wife. Wife. Yeah. Girl, which they're actually married in real life. Um, Are they really? Um, yeah, I went to a Comic Con and I got I got to meet her and I got to meet him. Their tables were side by side. And is, uh, is she as pretty in real life as she? Uh, Carla had to talk for me. I my wife had to speak. <laughs> for me. I, I was incapable of forming sentences. I just nice. I just babbled incoherently and drooled. It was pretty pretty sad. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So, so guys, anything else on Batman? We, we pretty much covered it. it. It's the number two, Matt. We haven't heard much about you aside from, you know, you were disappointed because it wasn't your Batman. That's that's pretty much where I stand. I mean, I love him, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 I, he had to grow on me, but, but he has. So, I'm, you know, I don't know yeah. that I, I, I'm as I'm, I'm, I'm still looking at the wall behind you. I mean, obviously, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm that fandom there is un, unparalleled there. But, uh, oh, you're you're not yeah, even I, seeing the real wall. I mean, I let me let me turn the laptop. This is there's the comics. Yeah, that's a wall. That's the wall. You yeah, guys, I like, tell you what, Matt Matt's been there, Dave. If if you're in Jason's basement where his office and studio and all that other stuff are, it is. I mean, it is a very well curated it's homage to his to his hobbies and collections. I mean, all of these these covers covering the walls. And he's immaculately taking care of comics, and he's and he's got little toys and collectibles everywhere. It's it's really it's really cool. So it's insane. Yeah, is what? It's insane. It's amazing. Oh. Yeah, thank really you. Is. So we are going to um, get out of Batman. Get we're going to leave Gotham and go on <sighs> to the number one blockbuster summer blockbuster movie of the eighties and maybe of all time i don't know so here we go with number one number one in 1975 he directed jaws in 1978 he directed close encounters of the third kind in 1981 he directed raiders of the lost ark and now steven spielberg brings us et the extraterrestrial We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, 
the friendship. I'm keeping him. The secret. The love. The warning. The signal. The mystery. A danger. The intrusion. The wonderment. The enchantment. The hope. The connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. That's right. Number one is E.T. Released June 11th, 1982. $435 million. That is over a... That is over a hundred million dollars than the next movie down. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost, almost double. It's almost two hundred. I mean, it's in Batman was two fifty one, and this is four thirty five. That's insane. Yeah. It, well, it, the the true number one did three hundred nine million dollars, but we'll talk okay. about that here in just a minute. But uh, yeah, it's it it is uh it is huge. Um, I remember when this movie was released, um, I saw it on a, uh, a trip with my church youth group. We went to the movies one night and we saw E.T. And, and, and one of the guys broke down and cried. I, um, I have no comment about that whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I think that's fine. If someone wants to you know, cry. I, I we won't bring it up as either, but his his nope. his name re- rhymes with Devin Mackley, and I so. and I think fantastic, I, and I support that that guy, <laughs> whoever he may be, and his ability to cry. I think that's one his ability to cry. His ability, <laughs> it's like his super strength, his superhero his, power, his, his well honed skill. That's yes. right. So this movie starred Henry Thomas, D. Wallace, uh, Drew Barrymore, and Robert McNaughton. A troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape Earth and return to his home world. This movie, if, if you weren't around, how old were you in 1982, David? What month did the movie come out? Uh, June. Two years old. Two years old. Jason, turned, how old were you? I turned, uh, I turned three in October. Okay. In June of 84? 82. 82. Then I was eight. Eight. So you probably remember the E.T. phenomenon pretty well then, don't you? Yeah, it was It was very much in my wheelhouse. It was very, I, I was inundated with it and everything about it was geared towards me and my age group i was i was right in the heart of the demographic um nice and and to say that uh i actually wasn't really a huge fan of the movie okay yeah uh i thought i thought it was i thought it was good uh steven spielberg very very steven spielberg-esque i even made a comment about this one time and um in my podcast where i was talking about um there was there was a movie, oh, I can't remember what movie that I saw, but it was a Steven Spielberg movie, but you could almost see 
little aspects of everything that he had done. There was a there was a little bit of Close Encounters in it. There was a little bit of Indiana Jones. There was a little bit of E.T. You know, and it was like it was, was it like Super Eight. It might have been Super Eight. Yeah, uh, it had kind of kind of like a feeling of everything that he had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I I like the concept of E.T. I, I thought it was great. You know, I mm-hmm. I had the action figures and um, but I mean, there's there was a lot of stuff that I just I didn't like. I just didn't like about the the movie you know uh mm-hmm. who was it um heartlight the song with uh yeah that was not part of the movie it was made after right it was but it was basically an et song uh, yeah that everybody associated i can't remember who sang it um, neil diamond neil diamond yeah um <laughs> yeah wasn't wasn't a great song you know it's terrible but, i mean it was i remember i remember christmas that year everybody was getting me et stuff you know and you're trying to act like you love it because it was like he's what do we get him well he's a kid he'll love et stuff so i was getting like i was getting the plush dolls you know and i was getting the little wind up et walking things and i was getting you know did you get the atari video game no i didn't have an atari lucky yeah yeah (laughs) it was terrible i I know it was it was well it's what killed atari essentially so but uh (laughs) Um, well, it, did, yeah, it, did, it didn't kill Atari, but it really opened up the, the floodgates for other video gaming systems to kind of surpass them. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. But it was, um, I mean, I can see why it's number one. It was a fantastically made movie. It was mm-hmm. well, very well done, very well written, very well directed. Um, there was, it was, it was, it was heartfelt. It was sincere. It was loving and uh it it was it was it was a good movie it just wasn't my thing maybe it's just my age you know it, it was it was a little more adult even though it was kids on bikes on an adventure it mm-hmm. it was it wasn't the goonies so i didn't right you know it, it wasn't like my kind of adventure movie yeah i got you makes sense matt i know you've yep. seen et oh i love me some et love me some et I, I liked it. It was, it was it had the the feel good, you know. What I mean, you were kind of uh, the the connection between you know Elliot and and uh, and OET there was just it was it was real, and then you just it it really was there was a powerful connection. It, but there was this cute with, with Drew Barrymore. There was the the cute factor that was just like so adorable. The whole whole Halloween stuff and the. Just there's a lot of cute little scenes like that. Just very heartwarming, and yeah. it, it was it was a feel good movie. I I wouldn't I don't even know if I'd put it in an adventure class. It was just it was it was a feel good movie, you know. Yeah. And I don't think Jason likes to feel good about a lot of things, and so that's probably why <laughs> he doesn't like this movie. Uh, but 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 if you like to feel good, or and other people like to cry, which I'm not going to talk about because that's not what I do. Uh, <laughs> you would never but kick it, a man when he's down would you I would never do that uh, but at the same time if you wanted to cry if you wanted to feel good that this movie kind of it covered all the bases it was uh it, it, it was it, it was one for everybody i, I think so okay yeah, we, we we mentioned it with uh back to the future but but do you think of anyone that didn't see et can you, I mean, can you think of anyone back that, in those days? I, I don't, I don't think you could. I mean, everybody 
I mean, it had such a buzz about it. Everybody, because of the buzz, went to go see it. And most people ended up, you know, either loving it or at least liking it pretty well. I don't know of anybody back then that like said it was awful. But right. yeah, that that movie uh, it, and it it's still it was um, it was it was a great fantasy movie. And yeah, I remember when I saw it, I, I thought it was just a kid's movie. I, mean, I thought it was built you know for the eight-year-old kid or whatever but uh you know what i ended up enjoying it ended up liking it a whole lot and uh you know it's one i own digitally on blu-ray today and never you know i could i could watch that movie anytime and, and just go oh it's et i'm gonna watch it so it's, so. it's cool how different theme parks also keep movies alive i mean there's mm-hmm. the et ride at um, is it universal universal that i mean mm-hmm. just you know so you get you got kids today who you know obviously grown up 20 30 years after the fact they're on the et ride so well i probably should watch the movie now or, or they'll yeah. watch the movie knowing they're gonna ride the ride and it's kind of uh it keeps it alive i mean i, I mean grace right. saw that movie because of the ride and i was yeah. like that's pretty cool so yeah, yeah nice neat, neat, yeah so so dave um i know you were younger when it came out i'm sure you've Mm -hmm. seen it later what what's your opinion on this on this classic et is a uh i think it has a very beautiful feeling of friendship Mm -hmm. it's got a strong message of uh you know friendship like uh elliot you know he was kind of scared at first of uh you know, of E.T., this alien just, just came from outer space. But he, you know, he befriended him quick, and he's just teaching him his ways, teaching him about all his toys, you know, how to be a human kid and dressing him in all the clothes. And it's a, it's a feel-good movie. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great feel-good movie to me. Agreed. Um, and, all right. Uh, Fun fact about Henry Thomas, he is a San Antonio, Texas native. Wow, looky oh, there. Wow. A little, little Texas love there for, for Dave yes, and his sir. compadres. Nice. <laughs> All right. So that that takes us, that's our top 10 list. Uh it took us two weeks to do it, but uh there's our top 10 list. So as I as I talked earlier, uh we had I wanted to do a top 10 list that did not have a bunch of sequels in it. So we're talking about the same movies over and over again, but um, we had Batman ranked as number two. Batman really should have been number four because number two and number three. I disagree. What what do you mean you disagree? (laughs) Well, yeah, as as movies, I'll take Batman Um, as number two and number three, uh, number two uh, was Return of the Jedi. It was released May 25th, 1983, and did $309 million. So as we all know, this was um, one of the um, Star Wars sequels. This would be the third one. Later on, it's like Star Wars 5, whatever. No, this is, this is, uh, this is Return of the Jedi, okay? Yeah. Uh, this is the, the, the third... Um, third of this of the series uh Te- technically uh, it's it's number six in a six movie series correct 
Um, but before they decided to do prequels, we knew this as the third and the final story of the trilogy that we knew. And I'm glad yeah. they made the earlier ones. But uh, being a big Star Wars fan as a kid, uh, I had to go see these, uh, the sequels, and they came out. Uh, and, and then following is The Empire Strikes Back, which was released June 20th, 1980, to $290 million. It would have been number three. So, so we'll put those together, uh, the continuation of the Star Wars saga. Um, what are your opinion of these movies, boys? I find personally uh, Empire Strikes Back to probably be the greatest movie in the entire franchise. Okay. And if you actually, you know, if you look online, you'll see that a lot of the diehard fans like Jason and myself. Jason, I'm sure you feel the same way, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do agree that Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> The according to fans, Empire Strikes Back is the greatest of the series. Um, uh, my not my personal favorite. Uh, Star Wars Episode Four is my number one uh, best uh, one. And New Hope. Yeah, A New Hope. Yeah, that's that's my that's my favorite one. It's probably one of my five. Uh, my five being movies that I can almost recite line for line. Um, I uh, I do I did enjoy Empire Strikes Back. Um, but there were just some things about it um, that I I didn't enjoy. I, I really I didn't like Yoda. I, oh, I thought it was. Oh, wow. I liked Yoda. He's better. Okay, he's better than Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, or an Ewok, <laughs> or an Ewok, or an Ewok. Yeah, yeah. or so, half the um, people in the cantina. Now, Chew <laughs> hey, the the cantina guys were awesome. If you ever got into the expanded expanded universe and read. You know the tales of Moss Eisley Cantina, and you. No, I was story. actually kissing girls and watching sports and playing. Here sports. we go. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> that that came out in the that came out in the nineties, so uh, you know it, it was a later story, later book. Anyway, I chewing the fat. My podcast has actually done a four part Star Wars series, uh, where we explored the the prequels, the original trilogy, the sequels, and the expanded universe, and. So that was, I, I've done extensive Star Wars research for that and uh, did a lot of talking about it. So, but yeah, uh, Empire Strikes Back is not my favorite, um, but uh, I liked it better than Return of the Jedi because I, I, I cannot stand Ewoks. Uh, they're horrible. They're <laughs> yeah. horrible. Yes. Yeah. Like my, my, favorite, my favorite story is when, uh, when Jar Jar Binks gets captured by the Ewoks and they're barbecuing them just before the Death Star blows up the moon. Uh, that's that's pretty much uh, how I feel about those characters. Gotcha. So I, I I remember when the first Star Wars came out, I was uh, I was twelve years old, and thought that was the greatest. I was a such a huge Star Wars fan, and as far as we knew, yeah, you got you to think. You know, back in those days when Darth Vader's killed. Uh, the Death Star blows up. That's the end of the story. Yeah, it's over. And when they announced, I don't know when they announced, but when the Empire Strikes Back came out and we realized Darth Vader didn't die, holy cow. And mm -hmm. so everybody had to go see it. So this Star Wars mania two years after the original, three years, and... Uh, 
here we go again. Like, and we, we had no idea that this would spawn then return of the Jedi Though we had a feeling after we were duped once at the end of star Wars that, mm. you know, return of the Jedi was inevitable, but we didn't know after return of the Jedi that the prequels would come along. And then once the prequels and that story had been told later on, let's do, you know, some, you know, movies after sequels. some sequels to the original uh, yeah. six story. And like you said, Jason, I, I could never hold a candle <laughs> to the extensive research and hours you've spent watching these movies and memorizing characters and lines and stuff. Uh, but it is truly, truly a great set of characters and great storytelling, great visual effects. Um, you know, every once yeah. in a while, every couple of years or so, I just got to sit and watch them through. So good yeah. stuff. Well you you knew return of the jedi had to come or you didn't know it was mm -hmm. going to be return of the jedi but you knew there had to be another one because yeah. they at the end of empire strikes back the good guys lost and yeah. they lost they lost big and they lost hard i mean hans and carbonite everybody scattered around luke lost a hand and found out that his dad is one of the most evil people in the galaxy I mean, mm -hmm. you're like, no, this, it can't end here. This is not a good. We have to have this, something this, to. We need some kind this. of happy ending. You know, yeah. the bad guys have to pay. And so you knew another, another movie was coming. Yeah. Um, interesting in left. I know we could talk about Return of the Jedi because it was actually number four movie. Um, mm -hmm. Is that uh, the reason. Number four, it was number three. It was number three. No, so, no. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm talking about box office. You keep going. <laughs> okay yeah um the uh um the the whole reason why yoda came back in return of the jedi was because george lucas had talked to a bunch of psychologists and um they had basically said that none of these kids are going to believe that darth vader is luke's father they're going to think he was lying to him or it wasn't it wasn't true so the whole reason why they brought yoda back in return of the jedi was so that he could confirm to luke that darth vader was his father yeah and that, that was a whole point and purpose of him being in that movie that's that second time nice so, so jason did you like like the mandalorian yes oh my god yes did you geek out on that last episode i i enjoyed it i i really did <laughs> like it i i thought they did a fantastic job with it and i really liked luke finally kicking butt and and, and like he should you know yeah. um he didn't that really do missing, a whole lot of that it. was missing in the in the sequels yeah in all of the movies and uh mm -hmm. you know so i thought i thought it was very very well done and uh now they're they're talking about uh you know another series and maybe even a spinoff so nice it's uh it's i was i i really did enjoy the mandalorian and i, I was going back to the favorites my top three star wars movies uh star wars episode four would be number one uh attack of the clones uh star wars 2 is actually my number two movie hmm. and uh rogue one would be my number three gotcha. rogue one was so beautifully done yes rogue rogue one was like saving private ryan meets star wars and that's what i loved about it it was because you always you always saw in in the original trilogy the rebellion was going on but you're not in it you're you're just following these guys out on ships and out in outer space and aside from trying to take out the shield generator on Endor, you really don't see a whole lot of rebellion action going on. Sure. And 
in in Rogue One, you got to see the grit and what the rebellion was and how it how how real it was. And I, I absolutely love that. So, but that's just that's just an unnecessary sidebar. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. All right, so we're gonna go and talk about uh, the number six and number eight movies. Uh, we're both uh, Indiana Jones sequels. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, released May 24th, 1989, did $197 million at the box office. And then Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom did um, $179 million. It was released May 23rd, 1984. So if you're paying attention, kids, um, five of the top 10 movies uh of uh blockbuster movies of the 80s all start harrison ford <laughs> not too shabby as it should be as yes it should be. yes so he's he's a treasure man he uh his roles uh after star wars i went back and watched american graffiti and just his kind of a mysterious character he even even in a lesser but prominent role he did a great job. So he is just, I mean, he's a tremendous actor. Um, his, you know, when he, when he played the Jack Ryan characters, uh, he was great. Uh, just about everything. I the think fugitive. Him in. the fugitive, I love the fugitive. That's a yeah. great movie. Uh, yeah. Witness was great. Um, regarding Henry. I mean, like so many roles the guy, yeah. the guy is awesome. Uh, he helped know, make the eighties. Yeah, absolutely, he did. Uh, the thing that I can I could say about Harrison Ford, he he truly is an actor. Uh, he is mm -hmm. an actor, as because if you've ever seen an interview or if you've ever seen him off camera, mm -hmm. the the man is boring and he has zero yeah. personality. And he is not he, Han Solo. He is no, not he, Indiana Jones. Everything, every role that he has played, he is a complete transformation of a human being. Yes, um, because in reality he is very dull and boring, and it just it fascinates me watching him, you know, off screen because he's yeah. always like, hey, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, we can go, do, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. You guys, you guys, you guys should uh, if you get a chance check out. I can't remember. I think it was on David Letterman, maybe, but Mark Hamill does his impersonation of Harrison yes. Ford. It's it's he incredible. Hates it, yeah. It is, yeah. it is so funny and he's dead on too because as oh yeah I mean, as we i don't know maybe you don't know but in the animated the batman animated series mark hamill actually does the joker so he does joker, several yeah. voices and movies and tv shows and stuff and and again he's just a great another great actor so that that wraps up our talk on um on these movies uh so hopefully the theaters are opening soon. I mean, they're open, I guess, ish. Uh, hopefully the blockbusters start rolling out and people are getting back to the theaters and back to spending $75 on uh, popcorn and, a, and an ice cold pop there and, and we can have a good time. So um, before we leave, uh, I, I asked Jason if he would do this because we like promoting our friends around here. Um, our friend Joel McLaughlin has... Uh, living in the shade of the 80s arcade if you haven't checked that out check that out um short episodes not like this one um he'll do he'll do a podcast he'll, he'll spotlight a year or a video game or a gaming system or something usually about 20 minutes to a half hour ish 
and he does a fantastic job. So we'd like to promote him. But at the same time, our buddy Jason is becoming a career podcaster. Uh, he started off with Chewing the Fat, and Matt and I uh, kind of uh, invaded town a couple times on that one and, and joined him. He does a he does a great job. He's he's awesome at, at, at the research part of what he does. He, we we tease him about his lack of um, love of sports and things manly. But he uh, <laughs> he even does his research on on the sports facts for the podcast. So I asked him to to take a couple minutes here and tell him talk to us about like what you're up to now, and like talk talk to us about what's going on with chewing chewing the fat now, and then what else is going on outside that little universe you got rolling there. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, so chewing the fat is a podcast that I started last year. I'm about. Uh, just shy of 30 episodes in, and it is basically a roundtable discussion uh, where we talk about politics, pop culture, music, movies, TV, conspiracy theories. It's basically chewing the fat, just sitting around and talking about whatever subject we come up with. We have what we call the wonderful wheel of history that we spin, and it has uh, every year from 1970 to 2010, whatever year it lands on, we talk about in depth what happened that year whether it's by memory or by, you know, education or what we've learned along the way. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It was just a chance for me and my buddies to sit down and talk. And it's actually our group of people has expanded exponentially um, to the point where chewing the fat is actually now branching out and becoming a uh, producing uh, several other podcasts for other people. We have uh, Jay Merrill spotlight, which is uh Jackie Smith Jr. and his uh, J. Merrill Publishing, which is a publishing house, a uh, small publishing house that he's just starting up. He's got about 55 books under his belt, but he comes into the studio and he sits down and talks with an inter and interviews one of his authors and they talk about their book. And that's J. Merrill Spotlight. And then um, I just started another one called uh, Free For All, where we sit down and we talk about current events and politics and kind of like a talking heads type show um, about everything that's going on currently politically uh, from a certain point of view uh, to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi. We uh, we're very conservative in our viewpoints. And so that's kind of where it leans. Um, and then uh, my wife is actually starting a podcast about uh, working in a salon hairstyling. She's going to have other uh, girlfriends and guys of you know, the do hairstyles and their stylists. So, so wait, is that just gonna be like them sitting and gossiping about stuff? No, they're gonna talk about last Sunday. Brenda was in here. You can't believe what she did with that with that hair. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it might <laughs> delve into that, but the idea is that they're gonna talk about uh the hair industry, uh fashions and trends and what's what's changing, what's coming up, uh products, you know, what are good products and stuff like that. But mostly it's gonna be a QA session where she's gonna say throw out a question like, um, okay, so your client of 10 years is posting selfies on Facebook and bragging about a new hairstyle and you know, you didn't do it. Uh, oh. so how, how would you handle that? You know? Um, so those, those kind of theoretical, uh, things I, I, are, I think, I think she needs to, to do at least have a portion of a, of a podcast talking about the resurgence of the mullet. Yes, the mullet. The mullets made a comeback, man. Oh, watch, oh, watch yeah. a baseball game. Dudes are wearing mullets now. Oh yeah, you you saw my prom picture. I I rocked a mullet oh, back yeah. in the nineties, and I keep very telling strong her, mullet. I keep telling her I'm gonna I'm gonna grow it back, but I'm I'm pretty sure that she's gonna cut it off in the middle of the night if I even try. So, <laughs> um, 
but uh, so those those four right now are up and running. They're all chewing the fat presents podcasts, and uh, cool. My wife's is actually called Inside the Salon, and I've got two more prospects of um, two more podcasts that may come under the Chewing the Fat Presents lo- uh, umbrella. So it's not really where I expected this to go. This was just going to be something to kill the time because COVID had me locked in the house and I had nothing else to do. And now I'm, I'm creating an empire. So it's, uh, you are. Yeah. It's, it's pretty. The empire pretty strikes crazy. back if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, just waiting <laughs> for that. You can use that. You can have I'm it. Probably, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, in some situations, I'm just waiting for a cease and desist letter from some major corporation that they've, I finally pinged on their radar. So, but uh, <laughs> until then, I'm just going to take this for a ride and see where it goes. I, nice. You know, it just, it, things seem to keep happening, not because I'm making them happen. So, well, good Very for good. you, man. Good for Thank you. you. Thank you. Yep. It's been a lot of fun. And I tell you, Rob, you have been a huge help and inspiration. Um, you've offered a lot of great advice. You've helped me with a lot of things that I needed to know. And it's always nice to have somebody who, is in the industry and knows what they're doing and to bounce ideas off, you know, cause you've, you've gotten me into different groups on Facebook that I've been able to get a lot of questions answered. So yeah, I, yeah, it's, I couldn't have done it without you. You were a huge help. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It, you know, it's my pleasure. I know, I remember back before you even launched it, you were, you were a guest on here and, and just that moment, you, you mean you you mean you were very great you know behind the microphone and just kind of being able to carry the conversation well and you even you told me then that for a while you'd been kind of thinking about doing that and then next thing you know man he's got this killer setup in his little studio there and he's got like four mics and this a producer over to the side and if you're if you're, if you're here in members only studio here it's it's I've got my MacBook here. I've got this, this you know, really cool microphone and, 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 the, and a couple chairs and we all share the same mic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really good, expensive mic and it, it has the ability to do like a surrounding thing. But uh, but Jason's setup is very, very awesome. It's, it's sweet. So um, Thank you. Sp- speaking of, you know, podcasts and so forth um i am going to uh take a little break um with living in the 80s uh this is episode 64 so we've been at it since last uh february of 2020 and we've we've taken a week off here or there and uh i've got a ton of stuff going on uh this summer i'm entering a new ministry at my church uh, that's that's I'm going to have to pay a little bit of attention to at first to get it off the ground, and so it, it's it's gonna, I, I, you know, you, you kind of sometimes you, you just kind of gotta pause things, and so uh, living in the '80s is going to be back first of August. Now you're thinking August first, 2021. What what's the significance? That'll be MTV's 40th anniversary. So we are going to pull out all the stops on that episode. That'll be like our, our uh, end of our summer vacation, uh, beginning of the next chapter of, of, the, um, of the podcast. And I, I'm excited, super excited about doing it. Uh, but right now it, it's, it's a necessary break and it's, it's, you know, 
stay with the Living in the 80s Facebook page. If you have, if you've missed any episodes, all 63 are still online. You can get them, listen to them at any point that you're super bored uh, and have nothing to do. And you've already listened to all the chew and the fat stuff. Come here and, and listen to listen to this, and it'll be a ton of fun. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you for being part of this. I know Matt and and David have have, have, have contributed mightily. David has just been kind of like a cool, keen observer, dropping the necessary facts when we need them, and just did it. And and you guys, this is a fun group to be around. I wish that we could all just get together in person and just uh, you know, like I said, eat some pizza, talk some some '80s stuff and and whatnot, or whatever else comes up. So that'd be fun. Uh, any any parting words before we take off, gentlemen? thank you very much it's very you know it's awesome being with you guys i kind of feel like i'm there uh in person and then one day we will all be together in person and it'll be awesome i'm excited yes, to meet all you guys absolutely yep. it's kind of cool we kind of feel like we know you already dave uh, i think technology is neat just for that aspect uh just to see you on the page and then to converse and see you on this it's uh yeah, we look forward to meeting you. It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, man, totally. We're going to miss the, the whole podcast thing. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and so I'm tearing up over here. Well, Matt, Matt, you know you're going to be part of the August 1st revival. So so you, you'll, you'll be there. Uh, He's verklempt. I'm <laughs> Talk about yourselves. <laughs> it'll, it'll, I look forward to us coming back. It's going to be great. We'll be rejuvenated and uh, exciting. And so when we come back, it'll be uh, 100 mile an hour and it'll be good stuff. Oh, so yeah. It'll be a ton of fun. To Me too. Nice. And so, uh, I, I think good. this has been a lot of fun. This was a, a fun episode. I mean, you get me talking about movies and I just won't shut up. Um, because <laughs> Which is why I had you on here. So yeah, I mean, that you I, could do what you're do what you're very good at. Um, initially, my plan for a podcast was to do a movie review or talk about movies podcast, and then I looked into it and realized there's about seven thousand other podcasts that are doing that. <laughs> and uh, Hollywood was essentially shut down, and I was like, "Well, I got to find a different theme." Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I do I love talking about movies and science fiction and all this kind of stuff. But um, uh, this was a fun episode. I always love being on here and. For those of you who don't know, uh, if you follow the Living in the 80s group on Facebook, David David is a huge contributor. He is always huge. Several one, times a one day of the top is, contributors. Yeah, is is dropping just awesome 80s facts and 80s fun things, and you know, acknowledging birthdays and anniversaries of movies and things that you wouldn't even thought of posting. So, Dave, I wanted to give you huge kudos and a big shout out on that because you do an awesome job of keeping I that page interesting. Brother. Thank yeah. you, man. And I just look forward to meeting you in person, man. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, one uh, of these days, man. Dave, one of these days you're going to have to get up here. I know you have family up in this area. So get up here, man. Pizza's on me. So <laughs> let's go do it. To, uh, get together with Kim. Y'all can have a bake sale and raise funds for me to get up there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and right. hey, Matt, you know, you, you've always got a spot on chewing the fat while Rob's on his hiatus. So, you know, you come on, baby. Come on, come there on. You go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So 
Um, as you guys may know, um, our uh, our namesake, I, I talked about this a long time ago when we very first, when I very first launched the Facebook page and then the the podcast living in the 80s. It all came from a song from the band Killing Joke. Uh, the song's called 80s. But in, in keeping with the spirit of this podcast, I almost called it Back in Time. That was one of the, but it didn't have the 80s name in it. And I thought, you know, I wanted to be very specific. So that, that, that was one of the, the early names it could have been. So in the spirit of, you know, Marty McFly, Back to the Future, 80s blockbusters, uh, we're going to close out with Huey Lewis in the news uh, from the movie Back to the Future. So that'll be our outro today. Yeah, so guys, to until... put him on the map. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, uh, we'll see you in August. Take care. God bless you. And we'll see you then. Have a great summer. It's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.